Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. I'm your host, Richie. Joining me as always is Matt. Today we are going to go over sleepers, and if we have time, we will get to bus. But first, Matt, how are you doing? And Freddie Freeman has hurt himself at the World Baseball Classic. Surprise, surprise. Oh, our first big name goes down. I actually had not looked into this news. It is uh, mid-morning for me, so catching up on all the festivities. I think bigger news in the sports world is probably Aaron Rodgers has not been traded yet. Obviously, we will be releasing this episode on Wednesday, the 22nd. So by then, if Aaron has not chosen his decision, I think uh, we might have to make a trip to California and uh, kidnap him and, you know, grab his phone and start tweeting ourselves. But we Maybe are... a six-day dar- uh, darkness retreat. <laughs> well, we'll find a dark hole for him. I'm sure of that. But, uh, Richie, we're that much closer to the start of baseball season. We're that much closer to our draft. We do draft in a week. So, as listeners, when you're listening to this, we will have wrapped our draft, and we will be releasing our uh, basically our full edited version of our auction draft for Dynasty. So a lot of fun things in the works here as uh, spring heats up. Yeah, so for you, Matt, Freddie Freeman's probably not bad. He slightly tweaked his hamstring. So it doesn't seem to be a foreseeable um, injury for the future, but just something to note. And then um, somebody who I liked who was super hot in spring training, Matt, Christian Encarnacion Strand, wow, who I had as, a, as my last sleeper. I might have to knock it off. He's been reassigned to minor league camp, so he is not going to be making that opening day. Rotation wow, stuff. really? They dropped into yeah. minor league camp. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Along with Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean, Ricky Karcher, and Case, some other guys that you don't care about. Ian Anderson was also uh, sent to AAA, which is also probably decent news. It'll be interesting to see who that last starter is going to be for the Atlanta Braves. It's interesting. Probably you... Mike Soroka, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because uh, Elder or Edder. Um, also got sent back down too. It's interesting when you look at the Braves, like rotation three years ago or projected rotation three, four years ago, you had, you know, obviously Soroka and Anderson as the guys that were going to be pumped. They were supposed to be the top of the rotation. You had Kyle Mueller, right? You had Kyle Wright, who at the time was still the fourth overall pick and struggling, obviously, to make his transcendence to the big leagues. And now you kind of fast forward it and Kyle Wright is here and emerged, but he has a shoulder injury. You have Strider, who's come out of absolutely no, you know nowhere in regards to a four-year picture because he was still at Clemson. You have Charlie Morton still pitching, right? I think at the time he was probably with the Astros still. So very or the Rays, one of them too, or the Rays, yeah. yeah. And this is a very different team. I think that that we're getting in 2023 than what I would have forecasted at 20, like you know, say 2019. Uh, oh, absolutely, it's crazy. Yeah. And um, so I, I guess I just hint on that because there's a lot of times that Dynasty forecasters will release their, you know, if we're in 2023, they'll release their 2028, 2029, 2030 starting lineup and rotation, you know, preview. And just be mindful that, you know, things change and players kind of blossom out of nowhere. And also big time prospects, you know, like Mueller, like Wright, like Anderson can either take a while to develop or can just fizzle out. Oh, absolutely. Crazy. Um, with that though, since we do have a lot of sleepers to get through, I think I have 18, now 17. If you get rid of Encarnacion Strand, I believe you have like 40 sleepers. So half of the draft list, uh, <laughs> obviously we're not going to talk about all of them. 
Um, but for the listeners who did not listen to our last podcast, we kind of broke down what we think of a breakout versus a sleeper. And I liked what you said. A breakout can cannot necessarily be a sleeper, but a sleeper, I, I can't remember it now, but uh, do you want to reiterate? Let's yeah, so let over. me reiterate. Let me let me kind of break down my concept for what a breakout is again, then I'll talk about a sleeper. So breakout players for me are players that will outperform their expectation. This does not mean their draft value is a steal. And some players that I want to utilize for the breaker category to just give you an example for the listener here, Kyle Wright at 12. It's not a steal. I think he has the ability to break out, hit 300, go 30-30. That is something that he hasn't done yet. So for me at 12... Again, in Scott White's head-to-head CBS rankings, I feel like he has the ability. Now, again, not a sleeper because you're you're not you're being you able mean to sit Kyle back. Tucker. Did you I say Kyle, Kyle Wright? Yeah, I was confused. If Kyle, Kyle Wright Tucker, can right? hit 30 home runs and hit 300, okay. I think we have the next Shohei Otani. So uh, maybe I'm forecasting, you know, my magical ball here. But yes, Kyle Tucker. My apologies. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, he's the perfect example of a breakout now. Sleepers for me are defined by players that I expect to also outperform, but to outperform their draft value. And the key here is draft position is, in my opinion, a steal. So again, sleepers, I expect these players to outperform their draft value. Draft position is a steal. So first example on that list would be Salvi Perez. If you look at where he was going last year, if you look at where he was going the year before, there's been a lot of fluctuation in his value, but at 88 on Scott White's rankings. I still believe you have a player that is going to outperform his draft value. Now, again, I'm using Salvador Perez because when you think about Salvador Perez, he's already broken out. We know who he can be. He's also an aging player. So there is two ways this can go. He can continue his slide with his age like he did last year, a big regression from 2021 to 2022. Or he can rebound and he can be considered a sleeper. Yeah, I, I like exactly what you said. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Salvador Perez being a sleeper. Sure. Because that batting average dropping does worry me a little bit. And he saw a decrease in home runs. But obviously you're going to see a decrease in home runs because you can't hit 48 home runs all over again. But at the catcher position, if you're getting 23 home runs and you're batting above 250, you're going to take that all day. So I, I agree with that. But I find it hard to be a sleeper within the top 100. And that's why I only have two two people in the top 100 that I consider as sleepers. Now, let um, me let me just kind of give you my quick reason as to why I have Salvi here. Okay. Um, and again, I have a lot of, a lot of them, but I'm only going to touch on some highlights today because in reality, like I really do like a lot of these these guys at their position. So Salvi's at 88 on Scott White's rankings. The reason when I went through this list through the top two. 5,300 that I pick Salvi is because he is one spot behind Christian Kirk. Personally, I think the upside of a rebound from Salvador Perez blows Christian Kirk out of the water. We know the ceiling pretty much for Christian Kirk. We know maybe he hit, maybe someday he hits 20 home runs if there's another juiced ball, but like Salvi can hit. Do you mean Alejandro Kirk? Who did I say? You keep saying Christian Kirk, the wide receiver for the Jets. Listen, it's football season, baby. I'm I'm all in. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, we're doing. I guess we're doing a football okay, podcast today. I'll give you a break because you did you did just wake up. So well, and listen, it's it's football season. I I'm I'm all in on this 
you know, free agent signing. But Alejandro, our boy, you know, who I did have and drop last year at 87. And I think Salvador Perez for me is a sleeper because, if again, if you look at what his ceiling can be, you're going to be getting a, a lot more value in my eyes. And, and, well, not to discredit your point, but I think it's more so where Alejandro Kirk is going. And it's a little bit of forecasting, but he is one of my busts for this year. So we'll touch on that when we get there. Um, but Matt, do you want to just round out who you else want to talk about that's inside your top 100 before I get to my two guys? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Ray Sale Iglesias coming in at 90. I think what you're getting with the Atlanta Braves and Iglesias is a very, very high ceiling as well as a pretty high floor. Iglesias did change his picks, pitch mix when he went over to the Braves last year. I think what you're talking about is a guy that's going to solidify himself, no questions asked in that top five, which is, yes, where he's being drafted. But I think there's a really, really good chance that he could be top two at the end of the season. You know, we obviously have to see things shake out. Uh, we have the top one, two right now uh, with Colossae, um and um, help me out with the Mets pitcher, Hergie. Um, Edwin Diaz? And Diaz, thank you. Okay. But I genuinely think there's a very good chance that Iglesias actually pushes Classe out of the top two because I think there's going to be a volume share there. You talk about the Atlanta Braves in their division. You talk about the, the players around Iglesias. He should have a chance, if successful, to possibly push 45-50 saves this year. I think at 90, you're getting enough of a discount in comparison to those other players that, to me, he would be considered a sleeper. Class A going at 69 overall and Diaz going at 68. You're talking about waiting almost 25 picks. And that's pretty much that's a pretty good value for me. And then to round out my top 100, Chris Sale at 94 has looked pretty good in spring. Uh, slider seems to be back. Velocity is still working its way back, but he is presumably Chris Sale again. And I think we're only going to see that continue into the regular season. So at 94, I think you're possibly getting a sp2 for a very 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 big discount absolutely i really like what you said about right so iglesias i mean that's the reason why i have him in my tier two um ranked fifth overall for my rankings but i was just comparing where he's going in espn he's going as the 11th reliever off the board at pick 113 behind kenley jansen felix bautista ryan Housley, jordan romano Ryan Presley, I'd probably take him over almost all those guys, I'd say. Maybe Ryan Presley, but he's got a little injury concerns. Um, I'd, put, I'd put him right up there. Yeah, I, I love him this season, and he's been a very fluctuating player in his career, and I don't love that. You know, obviously in Cincinnati and then Anaheim um, and now with the Braves, but I, I think this is really going to be his chance to go on a run, kind of like we expected him to when he went to the Angels. So I'm taking him as my value. I'm probably passing up on Diaz, passing up on Classe. Now, if there's, you know, obviously we've talked about this, if there are players in that position where I, I really like where I can reach on or, or possible guys that have, uh, have fallen, it's going to be hard, but Iglesias at 90 might be the first time I'm looking to target a reliever. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's right around the range where I want to get my first guy, um, somebody that I think is going to solidify the role and doesn't have any question marks, but you don't have to pay that 50, 60 overall pick. Like if you were to get a Class A or Devin Williams or Edwin Diaz. So completely agree with everything you said there. 
let's move on to my sleepers that are within the top 100. Um, so I've got two. My first one, Carlos Correa, ADP of 85. He's going outside of a lot of shortstops um, that I particularly like. If we look at just what he did last year, he batted 291, hit 22 home runs. And you're thinking, wow, that's pretty great for shortstop. But what brought him down was 70 runs and 64 RBIs. I expect that number to go higher. Um, when he was with the Astros, he had 104 runs and 92 RBIs. I don't think it's going to be that high. But I think if we meet somewhere in the middle with 80 to 90 runs, maybe a 70 to 80 RBIs, I think that's a very productive season. You can get, we're expecting this Twins team to have a huge bounce back. Byron Buxton, if he can stay healthy. Jorge Polanco, I'm expecting a huge bounce back. We expect Jose Miranda to break out. Alex Kirloff, if his wrist stays right, they get uh, Royce Lewis back. Um, and if we just look at some of the shortstops going ahead of him, Jeremy Pena, Tim Anderson, Xander Bogarts are all shortstops that I would take after Korea, and he's getting ranked behind them. Wander Franco, that one's a little tough for me because I do expect a breakout within the power for him. Um, so that's the one where yeah. I'm, I'm a little hesitant on. Yeah, and I, and I get the idea with Correa. It's just frustrating for me because this was a player that profiled, especially in our Dynasty League when I owned him when he was coming up, to be a generational offensive tool. And we've seen great consistency from Correa, but we have yet to see the season that I expected, which was 340 in like 120. You know, just an absolute MVP off the charts performance. We haven't even really seen him scratch that. And a lot of it's because of, you know, back and forth injuries. But I also think the opportunity for him to still have that season is possibly in front of him in his career. You look at the long-term contract he signed, and you look at the question marks surrounding the people, especially in fantasy, surrounding him. I think that's the key of this season. You listed a couple of those names, and I, and I just think you're talking about the potential of having a player that's been you know high floor to also open up, like O'Neal Cruz at 99. It's like, at least we know what Correa is going to be. We have high variance with Cruz. Yeah, absolutely. And then my last uh, sleeper here is Carlos Rodon. Right now he's ranked at 95th. This is going to change probably as we get more information out, but... Like you said on one of our former podcasts, he had this sort of forearm injury in the past just as early as last season. So if he doesn't seem too concerned about it, I'm not too concerned about it. If you can get a discount because he's going to miss the first month of the season, I would jump all over that as my starting pitcher two or three for sure. Um, anything you want to say on Carlos Rodon before we move into uh, our post-100 sleepers, Matt? Yeah, I think at this point, the fall of Carlos Rodon is really important. Um, I think also reading into the details that New York has allowed out is also important. Uh, it, it does sound like there's no UCL damage. It does sound like there is a lot of precaution here. And I think when you talk about a guy that just signed a long-term contract to be the number two of this rotation for the foreseeable future, essentially what they're saying is, hey, we don't care about April. We want to make sure that whatever's going on with your forearm is taken care of right now because they did say he has pushed through this injury last year. So my guess is it's simply just a strain like any other human being would get. And if they will allow him to push through it, he probably will at some point have UCL damage. So 
I think you're getting a steal again when you're drafting. You have to make the decision. Are you a team in a dynasty league that's looking to compete or are you a team in a redraft or dynasty format that is looking to win it all? I always go into the draft with the perspective of, yeah, I need to have balance, but I'm looking for guys like Carlos Rodon who could possibly be diamonds in the rough at their value because of a possible, possible injury. You know, you look at guys in the past like Chris Sale, um, you know, names can continue like Clayton Kershaw last season. You know, this season also is going to be Walker Bueller, a guy that's coming off Tommy John. Shane Baz also coming off Tommy John. Like, who are you going to take with the idea that they might provide you value come August, September? Definitely for me right now, that's Rodon because the injury doesn't seem so scary. Yeah, and if if his draft position falls to there, definitely somebody I'm targeting. Absolutely, I want I want as many shares as of of him as I can because he can provide ace like um, statistics for you. I think he is like over a 12k per nine something crazy like that um but enough about carlos Rodon, matt give us uh the next few sleepers on your list yeah and i as you had uh forecasted coming into this i have a lot and as i'm going through this list i'm i'm also comparing it to the actual head-to-head uh, list again on cbs for scott white and some of these guys i think i'm pulling back on the next name i had on my list with was kodai singa at 117 um and when I really, and he's actually won 16 on the list. My apologies. It looks like he's moved up. Um, now, the idea here is I'm going to pull back because of the people around him. I'm actually kind of comping him with. So I don't necessarily think he's a steal anymore. I do think he possibly could break out. And we did talk about him on last episode. So if you're interested in hearing more about Senga, definitely tune into our breakouts episode. Um, my next guy is probably going to be Jack Flaherty at 145. Flaherty's pitched seven total innings in spring so far. He's allowed two runs. He has seven strikeouts. Velocity's looking good. Obviously, the concern is the health. He's had the oblique, the lat, as well as the shoulder over the last three and a half seasons. So he's had a mar of injuries kind of attack him. I think on a contract season, this is the year to get Jack Flaherty. And when you're talking about him at 145, and the reason I think there is steel potential there is because he's going around the same like rate as the Giolitos and the Barrioses. And I think when you look at what those two guys have done over the last couple of seasons, there's also a lot of question marks there. I'm going to bank on a guy that's been limited by injury, not necessarily by production, as I am going to go ahead and draft a guy that's just been bad in the case of Giolito and Barrios. Now, again, it's all up to Flaherty's health. But I think if you look at those three names, the guy that I really want there is Jack Flaherty, and he is going after them. So big-time opportunity for a sleeper with Jack Flaherty for me. Um, and then the next name is also going to be, ironically, in that Cardinals rotation, and that's Jordan Montgomery at 171. I think Montgomery came coming to St. Louis last year showcased his ability to have stretches where he could provide you SP2, SP3 upside, not necessarily with the strikeouts, but at least with the uh, run-limiting ability and the lower whip. So definitely think about Jordan Montgomery as a guy that you can get at 171 that's going to give you a really high ceiling, uh, excuse me, a really high floor, and someone that you could pair in there for consistency where if you're taking a risk on a Jack Flaherty, he's kind of built in to prevent that risk. Yeah, you know Jack Flaherty, um, for those of you listening, you know how back and forth I've been on this guy with his injury concerns, but I will say that his spring has been encouraging for me. I'm still a little cold on him, but that just goes to your point. People who can believe in him can probably get him for a discount because of people like me who just can't believe in it right now. Um, well, and listen, enough about that. I'm, we'll go. I'm letting him walk in dynasty because yeah, because at the end of the day, 
No, I, you're not. I you're am. Keep them. No, I can't. For twenty dollars, I can't. You know, there's there's too much variance there. And when you're talking about the way we structure our league, even if we were simply doing a redraft, I can't reach on him as high as I wanted to. I mean, I had him ranked, I think, SP33, um, and, I, and I will still keep that. But, again, like, I, I think I'd rather have a Jordan Montgomery for, say, $4 and a Jack Flaherty for $11 because, you know, that's overpaying. So we'll all have to see where the value goes. But I do like the encouraging signs that we are seeing. It's just you've got to give me three months at the major leagues to believe that you're back at this point. Yeah, that's fair. I'm probably not going to get much of him, if I'm being honest, because there will be other guys I want to take risks on that um, we'll get to. But let's get to the next four that I have. I have Blake Snell at 103, Bryce Harper at 108, Nathaniel Lowe at 122, and Jorge Polanco at 134. Uh, quickly touch on Blake Snell. He's going into a contract year. Um, that's something you and I like a lot for these guys, which is a common theme of our podcast. But if we look at what he did from July 23rd on, in 14 games, he had a 219 ERA in 78 innings. He had 105 strikeouts, great ratios. Compare that to the full season statistics of a 338 ERA, which is still very phenomenal. But his ERA was up in the fours or fives um, up until that stretch he went on. Um, I, th I think at the overall numbers of Blake Snell, and they worry about his walk rate way too much. Yes, it's three to four per nine, which you'd like that to be closer to the two range. But with those ratios he's giving you, he's well worth the chance. He can provide starting pitcher two upside at a starting pitcher three or four cost. So I like that. Bryce Harper, not much to say. This is a first-round talent. I love stashing him. He'll be out until the All-Star break, but I fully expect him to be just like normal Bryce Harper. I got an update the other day that he's already starting to swing off a tee, so that's very encouraging. I think they're just going to take it slow and easy with him. But as that race heats up in the NL East, I think they're going to need him, and he might come back earlier than expected. Nathaniel Lowe, this is somebody who I think everybody's sleeping on because he did have his breakout season last year. But the thing that's different with Nathaniel Lowe is you're not paying the breakout costs. You're not paying what Michael Harris costs or Spencer Strider, who also broke out last year and where you have to draft them at their ceiling of what they produce. Nathaniel Lowe, everybody's drafting him as if it was a fluke and he can't break out again. And when you pull up his baseball savant page, most of his power and expected batting average is all in the red saying it wasn't a fluke. Um, expected batting average in the 88th percentile, max exit velocity in the 89th percentile. So I like that a lot. For Nathaniel Lowe, definitely one of my sleepers. And then lastly, Jorge Polanco. I don't believe he just fell off a cliff when he batted 235 last year. We look at his previous years, batted 269, 258, 295, 288. I think he gets back to that um, 270 to 300 range and still provides home runs. Do I think he's going to hit 33 like he did in 2021? No, not necessarily. But if he can bat 270, 280 with 20 home runs at second base and you're getting him at 134th overall, sign me up all day. If I miss out on Jorge or um, Jose Altuve or Marcus Semien early, this is somebody I'm definitely targeting later in my drafts. Matt, any thoughts on any of these guys? Yeah, I think I think overall what we're talking about now in this range is individual players that you're going to absolutely have to shoot 
for what you just said, kind of a filler position if you miss out on the big dogs. And this is kind of the meat of the draft where you're going to make or break your season. This is where if you take a couple swings and misses, you're going to be scavenging the waiver wire. And I like the names like Chris Bryant. I like uh, Nate Lau, like guys that, you know, either have performed really highly last year like Lau or guys that you're expecting to have a bounce back like Bryant. Because, again, this is these are sleepers in all regards. You know, these are guys that could provide you top 75 upside, in my opinion, you know, if, if you project them properly. And again, second base being such a shallow position, I, re- I really do think you're looking for as much opportunity as you can get. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. All right, Matt, let's uh, go down a few uh, other names that you have on your list here. Yeah, so coming in here, you know, we're, we're past the 170 mark now. Um, you know, these are guys for me that while at a sleeper concept, you're really looking at, you know, this is probably 60, 75% of the way through your draft here can make big impact in your starting lineup, probably as you work your way into June, because my expectation would be that as they've kind of bounced back and had their sleeper appeal really jumped up the boards, they're going to be valuable for you. So first name is Rowdy Telez at 172. Rowdy Telez is starting to pick up steam with his ability and his play in the World Baseball Classic. We've seen the power on display over the last couple of seasons in Milwaukee. I think this season is where we see Roddy Telez and that average really jump off the charts. I actually expect Telez to hit anywhere from 270 to 280. I think with his uh, exit velo, as well as just his raw power, you're going to have him putting teams in hard positions to really figure out their defensive alignments with him. Now, again, that is dependent on how do teams decide to play this new version of the shift. But I still feel like if you've missed out on the Vinny P's and the Jose Abreu's, this could definitely be a guy that kind of fills that similar uh, classification without the projection that current analysts are giving him. So right to Les again at 172, I love that. Trevor Rogers coming in at 174. We're seeing a lot of a bounce back from him in spring. We saw a little bit of a uh, glimmer of hope last year for Rogers before he went out with another injury. And then uh, again, you know, Miguel Vargas, we've talked about that a lot, 178. I love all of these guys. I think all of these guys can provide you immediate impact as well, not necessarily guys you just have to sit on. Um, kind of a, a name that I had mentioned earlier in regards to maybe you'll have to wait till June to actually see some of this value uh, prosper is Anthony Rendon at 189. I'm absolutely banking on a Rendon bounce back this season. Definitely not a 30 home run performance, but I would expect for him to hit, probably climb back to that 270, 280 mark. 20 home runs that lineup is absolutely stacked and I think there's opportunity for him to to really bounce back um and then the last name I'll mention here is at 191 this was your proponent last episode on the breakouts that's Jeremy Pena I think at 191 you're also getting an absolute steal you talked about Correa earlier I think Pena gives you almost similar stats to Correa this season and you're getting him almost 100 picks after Correa yeah, I completely agree with the Jeremy Pena pick. That's why he's on my breakouts. I'm a little behind on my sleepers because I also have Anthony Rendon, but I'm only on uh, my eighth sleeper, and he's my 14th. So I think I'm going to rattle off a few a few of mine to catch up to you if you're okay with that, Matt. Yeah, go for it. And then, and then uh, you can maybe pick, pick some things out. So at 141, I have Taylor Ward. Um, I am very encouraged with what he did from September to October at 345 i do think that he slumped in the middle of the season because of his shoulder injury i 
don't want to call him a breakup because I'm just assuming that his slump was due to that shoulder injury. And if we are assuming that he kind of had his breakout last year, I think he bats somewhere closer to 280, but can provide 30 home run upside, and especially at a weak position at outfield, somebody you can take as your second or third outfielder if you're waiting on that position. My next one is Andrew Vaughn. We've talked about him in the past. I think the pressures off of him has been that first round draft pick. We forget that he was called up to the majors um, pretty much right when he got drafted and was expected to produce. So he didn't have time to get seasoned in the minors like most of these other draft picks. So I'm expecting uh, huge things out of Andrew Vaughn this year. Reed Detmers I like with his new slider. Matt Chapman I love because of his contract year. And you look at his baseball savant page, it's everything's right except for a strikeout rate and his batting average. If you miss out at third base, definitely somebody you can target if you can stand a 220 to 230 batting average. He will produce everywhere else for you. Moving on, I have Patrick Sandoval at 167. People forget last year. Every single analyst in the industry was all over Patrick Sandoval, calling him a sleeper, breakout, and he produced fairly well. He pitched to a 291 ERA and had a 9.14 strikeout rate per nine, but his walks were up at 3.63. So even though he didn't break out, he still produced reasonable numbers and people are just writing him off I feel like and definitely somebody you could have as your fourth or fifth starting pitcher at 167. Alec Bohm at 185 I like as a sleeper. I don't think he's going to provide much power but he has the batting average. Cody Bellinger at 187 I have. Now I know we disagree on this one Matt but he signed a one-year contract, plays for Chicago Cubs, Windy City. He's got the power. He's had Babbitt unluckiness if you want to call it 245 196 255 the last three years where he had the horrible batting average we look at the years where he was mvp as babbitt was closer to 302 313 299 i think playing without the shift and everything he can get his babbitt up and back closer to 250 i'm expecting and provide 20 to 25 home runs do i think he can be an mvp again no, but I think he can have somewhat of a resurgence and maybe provide top 100 value. And when you're getting him at 187, I think that's huge value. Now, I kind of threw a lot at you, Matt, but that catches me up to the sleepers on your list. Anybody you want to talk about? I'm curious if you've changed your thoughts on Cody Bellinger at all after spring training. Yeah, um, absolutely love Sandoval this season. I, I think, you know, again, when you're talking about looking for pitching depth, when you're looking for guys that you can have reliance on, I think Sandoval's definitely that, that 167 price tag, somebody that I like, and someone I'm happy to kind of round out my rotation with, or at least use as depth. And Bellinger's hard, because if you just look at the names in between where he's at, in the 150 range, all the way down to the 190 range, you know, you're talking about Anthony Santander that you can talk for a, a breakout, um, or a continued breakout. You're talking about Tyler O'Neill, who also had a pretty down year last year. So that's kind of, you know, tossing, tossing a coin. But we haven't seen as much fluctuation from O'Neill. Brandon Nimmo, again, more counting stats, less power at 162. Conforto, uh, excuse me, Castellanos at 163. Like a lot of these names are guys with similar profiles where you have to kind of just bank on a bounce back or go for the upside of like a Santander. And as I continue to scroll, you know, Jake McCarthy there at 177, Lars Newbard 179. 
Like I'd obviously rather have these guys, but as you get closer to Ballinger's 187, uh, 187, it's like, damn, Jesse Winker ranked at 188 behind him. Like also I might rather have Ballinger than Winker. Um, continuing to slide down, you know, and, and considering outfielders here, like the names get sparse. So I'm not necessarily going to agree with you on Bellinger. Um, but when you look at outfield, like Ian Happ would be the next ranked at 211. I'd, I'd rather have Bellinger and just shoot for the stars. Now, if I'm taking Bellinger and I'm banking on a, like a sleeper breakout, you know, pair, I'm probably using him on my bench. I don't think I can stomach the idea of oh, starting him. But I, but I, I do when think you're there's... you're getting close to 200, when you're getting close to 200, this is where you're picking ceiling, guys. You don't care about the floor. Worst case scenario, you're dropping Bellinger, and you can go pick up the hot prospect that's about to get called up. And that's why I, I really like Bellinger for his cheap cost, at least this year. Well, and that, that brings me to my next sleeper, which is Masahiro Yoshida uh, for the Red Sox. You know, I... I think this is the big question, which you just talked about. Like, do you do you pair Yoshida and Bellinger together because you know Yoshida is going to give you that really high floor, and you know you have Yoshida if as possibly your third outfielder or maybe as your fifth outfielder, however you structure this based on your league, with the idea that hey, if Yoshida is not giving you enough power, if say he fizzles out and is really just a 250, 260 hitter with you know no speed and Bellinger can kind of get his things back together, you slide Belly in there. I also like Michael Conforto at 215. I think, on all honesty, I'd rather have Conforto at 215 than Bellinger at 187. Um, but again, to your point, these are the guys at this point where you're kind of filling your bench. So Yoshida is a guy I'm definitely targeting in probably categories in Roto Leagues. In points, I think he's a dime a dozen. I think there's just a lot of guys that fill that role similarly. Um Conforto obviously looking for a bounce back at 215. And then my next name is Ezekiel Tovar at 218. I think this number will continue to climb this season as we get closer and closer to the regular season as drafts start to fill out. Tovar looking at a full season with the Rockies playing in Colorado. So you should see that average around 300. That's what he hit in the minor leagues. You know, high bat to ball contact guy. Question is, can he provide you the power? He has profiled more of a 15 home run guy. You know, is there anything in there in growth and body growth as well to give you maybe 22 home runs, 25 home runs would be an absolute steal. But um, those are just some of the names as I get closer to the, the 220s. Uh, a couple of pitchers next for me, Michael Kopech at 227 and Kenta Maeda at 236. Kopech, I do still think there's ace potential there. I just don't know that we're going to see it in the 2023 season. That's why I have him as a sleeper and not a breakout. And then uh, Kenta Maeda coming back from Tommy John. Really like this one here. Um, Kenta Maeda at 236. I think Kenta Maeda's upside is probably SP4 in realis like in reality. I think there might be SP3 potential there. Yeah, I, I like Kenta Maeda, but I'm curious to see what his workload is going to be coming back from that injury. <sighs> But, um, yeah, and I'm starting to blink on some of the other names you said. Michael Conforto, I just I feel like he's just a guy, honestly. I feel like he's just somebody who's just there for you and not really going to – he doesn't have the ceiling as Cody Bellinger, and I feel like you can find a Michael Conforto or a Mar Michael Conforto type like a Jack Peterson or somebody along those lines that can produce similar numbers to Michael Conforto. 
but I, I don't mind mind him as a sleeper. Um, let's round out my sleeper list. Um, so I've got three left. Jonathan Indy at 196, Noah Syndergaard at 245, and then Anthony Volpe, your boy, at 298. Jonathan Indy did have that hamstring injury last year. I don't think he's going to produce like what he did his rookie year where he hit 21 home runs and batted 269. I think he's closer to a 260 hitter with 15 home runs, but when he's going this late in the draft and you need a second baseman or middle infielder, I think he's definitely somebody who can produce, especially when you're playing for the Cincinnati Reds in that best ballpark for home runs, even though he doesn't have the greatest power, he will get lucky with some of those home runs. Noah Syndergaard, I don't believe he's going to have that strikeout potential like he did, but even though I'm not buying him, which we all know, I can't ignore the fact that he's a sleeper going at 245 and at this range, when I'm looking at all the other starting pitchers or relief pitchers, I'd rather roll the dice on Thor. And especially with what the Dodgers have done with previous projects, um, I'd be willing to take the risk. And then lastly, Anthony Volpe, I like him for all the reasons you like him as your breakout, Matt, but I just don't see the break happening in his rookie year. I think it happens next year. So I think he's something I'm trying to think of, uh, player who came up probably a little bit earlier than they should have didn't produce great like maybe vlad i don't want to compare because you can't compare him to vlad but vlad you know stumbled out of the gate when he made the majors and then finally settled in i think we see something similar maybe even bobby witt bobby witt only hit like 250 last year but just barely got to 20 home runs but everybody's drafting him because of that stolen base potential i think something similar like that is doable for Anthony Volpe but like you said at this range when you're going for ceiling I definitely can think he can outproduce that 298 ranking for sure absolutely my only question with Volpe is playing time I I disagree with you I think Volpe's a 280 hitter out of the gate um, high contact approach has proven over his minor league career to be a guy that is contact heavy a line drive power and when you talk about that kind of profile, to me, he's more of a Bo Bichette than he is a Vlad Guerrero. And I think that's probably the profile that you're looking for as Volpe. Probably a little less power at the major league level than Bo Bichette when we think of Bichette. You know, I think we oftentimes think that, you know, he's a powerful player. But in reality, Bichette just has a loftier swing. Everything I've seen from Volpe this spring training has showed me that, you know, he works the count. He's very patient. He pushes the ball to right field a lot. And it is that line drive approach that's going to kind of keep him successful at the major league level. Um, so I am seeing a guy that should hit 280, but is his defense ready? Are the Yankees ready to give him consistent playing time? Because you can't put him on the opening day roster with the idea that, you know, you're a platoon rookie. You need to slot him into a starting position immediately. And if you're not going to do that, send him down to the minors. Give him, a, give him time at AAA for him to get those regular reps and those regular at-bats and opportunities in the field so that when you're ready for that playing time, he comes up and he never relinquishes it. So I'm really curious to see what the Yankees are looking to do with Volpe and kind of the way that they look to either grow his development or stifle his development um, because he's supposed to be the guy of the future for them. And I think Peraza, you know, you can find spots around the diamond to play him. We all know how bad Josh Donaldson has been, so I think there's opportunity there. Definitely interesting as we start talking about some of these uh, prospects lower in the list unlike the names of Jordan Walker and Corbin Carroll, who obviously are you know, now in the top 100 or pushing the top 100. 
Last couple names I have for you here. I love the Cindergard name from uh, from you, Richard. I, I fully agree with what you said. You know, absolutely to a T. I'd rather have him than almost anybody else there. Plays for the Dodgers, good team. You know, and, and guys of much less stature and pedigree have won there. I think about Anderson last year and the year before. Uh, so 245 is a good price. Alex Lang at 261 for Detroit, possibly getting saves there. I think that's a good value as well. Josh Naylor at 263. Guy you could stash with the hope that we finally, finally, finally see a Naylor breakout. You know, he has shown glimpses of replacement level ability before. And then Ryan Nielsen at 278. Um, another guy that you can keep an eye on for, you know, a possible breakout slash sleeper this year from the rotation. But definitely a lot of names. Um, you know, I think some of the names that we hit on that were my favorite. Probably Roddy Telez. We talked about Anthony Volpe, Anthony Rendon, Jack Flaherty. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really high on Chris Sale this year. There's a lot of guys that I'm probably targeting in drafts that are going to make or break my season. Okay. I like, so out of all of your sleepers, give me your, let's just do top three. Like who's your favorite first, second, and third sleeper on your list? I think number one's probably Chris Sale. I think you can get SP2 out of Chris Sale this year. It's going to be hard because of that team. I think that team's going to be bad, but I think I think there's SP2 in Chris Sale. Um, Jack Flaherty, still probably number two, um, and, I, and I don't feel great about saying that, but I just think the upside of Flaherty, the ceiling that you're getting is also SP2. Now, I don't feel nearly as good about that as I do with Chris Sale. And then I think number three is probably Miguel Vargas at 178. Um, the 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 broken pinky really concerns me. The lack of swings in spring has concerned me. But second base is it's a wasteland. And I think you got a guy there here that could hit 280 with 20 home runs. 178. I'm saving myself a hundred draft positions by taking him here. So that's my one, two, three. I like it. If I had to go my one, two, three, I think my number one is Carlos Correa. You know how much I like him, especially at his cost. I think my number two, honestly, is Bryce Harper. Um, I'm probably reaching a little bit more because I think even if you get him at 80 or 90, I think by the end of the year we're talking about, wow, we should have drafted um, Bryce Harper around 50 or 60 because of how great that value is. And then if I had to go my third... Ooh, this one's tough. Uh, probably Blake Snell, just because I had him on our Dynasty League. And um, compared to the rest of my pitchers, he was acting like the ace of my squad for a little bit. The only concern was with those walks, he wasn't going to six innings to get those quality starts. But he'd go four and two-thirds, five, five and a third, five and two-thirds, and have nine ten strikeouts and it's like jesus well no wonder why you can't go six innings because you're using all these pitches on 10 strikeouts but then you also have four walks like it takes you 25 pitches to get through an inning so i get it but i do like uh blake snell as probably my number three i just wanted to touch on harper real quick because coming into the offseason i felt the same way and after really analyzing the situation i've really pulled back um you know, post all-star break is the expectation for Harper. So we're talking about late July for a return. So you're really only going to get maybe two months, two weeks. Um, and the big concern beyond that is he will only have DH eligibility and presumably coming back, he will not be in the outfield for possibly upwards of a month coming into September. 
And I just feel like when you're talking about drafting a player and getting value out of them, it's very hard from that utility position, like we've talked about with Otani, to set yourself apart so drastically. Now, I know Harper has the ability to be Harper. He's This was an, uh, more of a positional defensive injury than it was an offensive injury, as we saw him play through it last year. But I've tempered my expectations a lot on Bryce Harper. I think in dynasty leagues where he's available, like in ours, obviously you're going to have to gauge how much you're willing to spend on him and how much you know, you're know you possibly willing to allocate, hoping for future success. But this season in redraft, I'm definitely tempering my expectations. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he is outfield eligible. I'm just checking, so... He is. Uh, he is, is he, in most leagues. DH he only? is not. Yeah, in most leagues, he is not. Oh. CBS, he is not. Um, Yahoo, he is not. So you have a big drawback with Bryce Harper going into this yeah, season. Yeah, that's interesting. I still like him though. Definitely like him. Maybe I'll take him at pick ninety instead of eighty. Well, um, he, and I mean, listen, I still, he's a four point per player player, you know, per game player. It's amazing. It's hard to find. It, like you're telling me, how are you, how are you going to find for like finding somebody post 100 that you know can produce at first round level talent that's hard to come by i mean think think about if you were in the opposite you draft um freddie freeman in the first round now you find out he's got a hamstring injury that lingers all the way through the all-star break and he's out like now you're just screwed i mean it's different because you know what you're getting in with bryce harper but you get what i'm saying like injuries happen no, I get so, that. I mean, right now his average salary on ESPN is at $4. So, you know, I think people have tempered those expectations because you've seen guys in the past that we've banked on to come out like Chris Sale two years ago. Didn't work. Even last but year. But it's different because he's a pitcher and this is a but hitter. Ta- time. Like, Tatis, Fernando Tatis last year. You know, like. Yeah, but he's a he's literally walking glass. You know, he steps on a nail and he'll break his arm. <laughs> but but again, <laughs> but again, you're talking about track records of other players, right? Like you're talking about right. the risk that you may have. When we talked about Tatis last year, it was, okay, he'll be back probably May. And then it was, oh, he'll be back June. And then it was, oh, he gets PED suspended. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I, I hear you. You know, you have to weigh the, the decision when you talk about Bryce Harper and the draft position that you're taking him in and with the people around him, you know, and like... Can these guys provide you impact? Because by the time Harper comes back, you might not even be in it. And you're talking about Bryce Harper at 109 on CBS. You've got guys like Dustin May, uh, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, uh, Lazardo, like names that I really like. Blake Snell just ahead of him. You know, a guy that you've ranked in your breakouts. O'Neill Cruz at 99. Those are names. But the but the thing the thing you're listing is you listed off probably five or six starting pitchers. I'm pretty confident I can get at least one of those guys and get Bryce Harper. And maybe you know? may, maybe you can. It's just like to me personally, I'm taking Jordan Walker over Bryce Harper. That like to me, I think that's a great comparison right there because you have a similar question mark. You have A a rookie with no major league track record. B a guy that hasn't A officially made the major league lo- roster. And C a guy that may split time with a guy like Carlson or possibly Lars Newbar. But I'm telling you right now is the, probably the biggest Bryce Harper fan on the planet. To me, it's just not the year I can go after him. Again, all prices included. If he's going for four dollars, are you kidding? I'll pay. Yeah, I'll pay fifteen, twenty dollars for Bryce Harper. But I think, especially too, in an auction draft, 
it's hard for me to think about, you know, not allocating that money elsewhere. Um, in a snake draft, it all depends. Like, you know, if he's okay, going in a snake draft. So for instance, I have a categories snake draft coming up, um, in a couple of weeks here. Where are you willing to take what? Cause it's an ESPN. Let's look up where he's going in ESPN. 140 is the ranking for Bryce Harper and categories ESPN. Where are you willing to take Bryce Harper? So I'm gonna in tell you. Redraft. I'm gonna tell you right now. I have, I figured out where he is in my in my rankings. Uh, just based off again, Scott White's head to head, CBS top 300. He falls in right around the 115 range because I'm gonna list these names off. Okay, so at 115 you have Charlie Morton, Kodai Singa, Freddie Peralta, Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton, Chris Bryant. Those are the two names that jump out to me. Byron Buxton, Chris Bryant. After those two names, it's Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker moves up my board. This isn't even a question for me. But I'm willing to take Bryce Harper probably right now, right after Hunter Green goes. So at 115, Charlie Morton. Because after that, the guys also have question marks, right? Chris Bryant, question marks. Byron Buxton, yeah, well, question mark. The way I look at Byron Buxton is Byron Buxton is going to be playing the same amount of games as Bryce Harper this year. One's going to and start rather, the year and one's going to finish the year. <laughs> so if I can get Byron Buxton and Bryce Harper, I'm going to get first round production. <laughs> That's, for, I mean, the logic is there. A, yeah. It's not bad. Chris Bryant, probably going to get injured because he gets injured every year. Jordan Walker, question mark. Anthony Rizzo, no thank you. Nate Lowe is probably the one at 122 that I'm like, okay, like. But, yeah, that's probably not the bad range. I'm trying to look at who ahead of, like, I'd take Bryce Harper over Willie Damas at 108. Yes, you listed off a lot of those pitchers, but I think when we look at the hitters in this range, there's trash for hitters, and there's so many good pitchers in this range that I think I can get one of them. Um, so let's go Willie Damas or Bryce Harper. I'm taking Bryce Harper. Kenley Jansen, Ryan Presley, those are pitchers, so I'm excluding I'm looking at just hitters. Uh, Tim Anderson or Bryce Harper? I'm taking Bryce Harper. Um, Blake Snell, Kershaw, Lynn, Kyle Wright, Reese Hoskins or Bryce Harper? Probably taking Bryce Harper. O'Neill Cruz at 99 is probably the one where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the upside on O'Neill Cruz. So that that's probably the range where I'm thinking of taking him. Yeah, and I and I think that's good. And I and I honestly I think that's fair. The like. Problem is, you know, it back to the roster construction. Like, are you are you SP short at this point of the draft? Because if you're SP short, if you're SP short, this is this is that exact range that we talked about where you've got to get like three or four of these guys. You've got well, to dedicate. I should have, I should have two, at least two pitchers by this range, maybe three depending on how it's going. Um, so that range of pitchers you're listing should be my fours. If I miss out on. Charlie Morton, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Hazel Cesardo, Dustin May, Luis Severino as my three or four. My next ones are, let's see, Joe Ryan, Chris Bassett, Tyler Glass now, Jeffrey Springs at 129. If I miss out, I'm okay with Jeffrey Springs being my number three or four. I'd probably go on a run, though, and pick up like a Pablo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, Reed Detmers, and i go on a, a starting pitcher run because – Yes, I think there's a drop-off, but if I can get a bunch of these younger guys that are acting as fours and I fill out my three, four, and five with starting pitcher fours, I'll be okay. Yeah. I, 
it's gonna it's be hard. interesting to see. It's gonna be interesting to see. Where Jack Flaherty, I mean Jack Flaherty and Tony Gonsolin are going near one forty five, one forty six. So I mean, there's some still values at starting pitcher. Yes, I love that starting pitcher range that you listed. Um, so well, we'll see. Well, and again, draft position is key to our auction, right? Yeah, like five back to back picks. Give me Bryce Harper and okay. I mean, we're getting off topic here, but if you had to choose between these, Dustin May, Jesus Lazardo, Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Charlie Morton, Kodai Senga, you can only pick one because you're taking Harper with one pick, and your next pick is you, you got to take a pitcher. Which one are you taking? I'm probably going. I'm probably going Lodolo. I think I'm going Dustin May. I think I'm going Dustin That's May fair. because I think Dustin May will actually be pitching more innings later in the year than he will to start the year. And I know that sounds kind of backwards with the way that Tommy John development goes, but I think they're going to be very temperamental temperamental with him to start the year. And I want to pair that high upside with high upside because all of these guys have their question marks. Like my initial reaction was Hunter Green, but it's like, ah, oh, there's Cincinnati, there's innings limits, right? Lodolo, it's like same thing, young pitcher. Uh, Lazardo has had up and downs. He's also pitched poorly at times at the end of the season. I think if the answer were really honest, it's probably actually Severino and Harper. I'm going to go bounce back, bounce back, double it up. And then if Sevy's gone, I'll go Dustin May. And then if May and Sevy are gone, I'm probably going Lodolo and then Green. And Lazardo is probably my fifth option here. Yeah. Yeah. I keep forgetting. When I think Severino, I just think injured. I know that's my know. first thought, but so like it's hard for me to think that he's going to be healthy. But if you if he's not so injured, he, but he's not, yeah, you know what I mean. He like he can produce ace. Yeah, later. it's and you're talking about Bryce Harper and Luis Severino, two guys that could like anchor your playoff lineup. Yeah. Like, but you know, I have a sweet spot for these young guys that are prime for breakouts. Like Lodolo is like an industry wide like breakout. He is, but again, he plays in Cincinnati. I don't care right. how good you are. Like we saw how good Luis Castillo was. And Luis Castillo and had ups Malley. and downs. Yeah. Well, I mean, Malley's a, you know, yeah, he's yeah. a sunny gray. But at the time. But at the time, you know. Yeah. So, But the ballpark definitely pushes those guys down because I think you put Lodolo in L.A. Lodolo's a SP2. No question. You yeah. put him in Dodger Stadium, probably an SP2 this year. All right. All right. Let's move on to our bus to round out the show. Now, I don't have as many bus. I have 12 bus on my list. Matt? Do you know how many you have? Uh, I want to say I have 22, but I'm more or less just going to kind of fly through them and give you bullet points. I'm not you know, going to go in depth. Okay, most of mine are within the top 100, and then I've got four outside. So we'll start off. My first bust is at number 19, Fernando Tatis, and we've kind of hinted to this a little bit in the past. I don't trust he can stay healthy. I don't think he's good for the clubhouse and i personally think he kind of went the route of ryan braun with taking steroids to get healthy and stay healthy and we saw what happened with ryan braun once he got caught he couldn't stay healthy and that injury concern worries me with fernando tatis and at a second round value i just can't trust it at 26 spencer strider i now don't get me wrong i love spencer strider but when he's going depending on how big your league is if he's going in the second round, possibly third as your ace. I don't know if I can trust him to get to that 200 inning limits that you're expecting 
from a starting pitcher at this range. I'd much rather have somebody like a Garrett Cole or a Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. And uh, my next one, 37, Dylan Cease. Um, he's had the strikeout ability, but you're paying literally for his ceiling of what he did with his breakout last year and especially what happened to him with spring training. He just gave up 11 runs in .2 innings to the Kansas City Royals in the last spring training game. I don't care if you're trying to fix your mechanics, get a feel for your pitches. 11 runs in two-thirds of an inning just... I don't, it's absurd to me. I can't trust that as an ace on my squad. Like, maybe if you give up two, three, I get it. Four, okay. But 11, that's just, that's just a big red flag. And then the last one before I kick it over to you, Matt, is 44, Alex Bregman. This is coming out to, at their base, when you're drafting in the top 50, you want average, you want power. His average has tanked. He batted 259 last year, 270 the year before, but it's the home runs that, or the red flag for me, only 23 last year, 12 the year before, and that's coming after 41 in 2019 and 31 in 2018. He was definitely a product of that juice ball, and I think he's got that warning track power that just is not going to get it done. And when I'm drafting somebody in the top 50, you need to be able to produce in most of the categories and put up points. And so that runs out my first four busts. Matt, give us a, a few of your busts. You can go maybe six, seven, since yours are a lot longer. Your list is a lot longer than mine. Yeah, kicking off, I have Sandy Alcantara at seven. Uh, loved what Sandy did last year, but that price tag is attached to essentially a player that has you know progressively grown throughout his career. There's not as much growth, I think, left in the tank. You're really getting that volume impact from his longevity in games. At that point, I'm just not taking Sandy Alcantara. I would prefer to have somebody else. I think the value is too high. I think he's more of a 20, late 20s pitcher for me. That's where you find value. So you're really paying for essentially the replication of what he did last year, and I just don't buy into that. You mentioned Dylan Cease. I also have Dylan Cease. I don't need to touch more on that. Bobby Witt comes in for me at 48. This is kind of hedging against what industry standards are saying. Industry standards are expecting a Bobby Witt breakout. I am expecting a Bobby Witt regression. I don't see the same approach that I see from an individual like Volpe, don't see the same bat-to-ball contact skills that I see from a guy like Vladdy or Bo Bichette. There are definitely some concerns with Bobby Witt for me coming into this year, and he was really propped up last year on those stolen bases. Now, I think the opportunity for Bobby Witt to be a 2020 player throughout his career is there, but to me, Bobby Witt is more of a Dansby Swanson than he is a Bo Bichette. Uh, definitely a hot take. I understand that, but just how I feel on Bobby Witt. Coming in right after Bobby Witt, I have Luis Robert at 54. Big thing for him, in my opinion, is injuries. I won't touch him at this point in his career. Uh, we kind of talked about that with breakouts and opportunities last episode. You know, we've also said this is the last year where he may be draftable for you. For me, I am out on Robert. Uh, Tristan McKenzie at 62. You're talking about guys in this range that I probably like a little bit more. I'm also looking at, at a regression here. Like, I would much rather have a Christian Javier. Uh, at 59, I would much rather have a Rodon at 60. I'd honestly rather have a Robbie Ray at 61. Corbin Carroll's going there at 64. Logan Webb, all names I would rather have than Tristan McKenzie, so I'm looking for that progression to slip. Last two here, real quick, Dansby Swanson. You know how much I dislike Dansby Swanson, especially going to Chicago. Uh, worst lineup, <clears throat> obviously, ballpark has the uh, variable effect of wind blowing in, wind blowing out. And, again, that lineup is just not as good. So counting stats will go down, and then Sterling Marte at 79. That one's easy. He's been hurt. He's old. His profile doesn't necessarily work anymore. 
And that kind of rounds out my top five, six, seven. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said about Bobby Witt, somebody I'm expecting. I don't think he's going to completely bottom out, but I don't think he's going to break out. I think you're going to get something very similar to what he produced, but I'm just not buying it. Uh, Dansby Swanson's also on my list, and it's not so much that I don't like him because he do, I do expect him to bat 260, 270. I don't know if he's necessarily going to hit 25 home runs again, but he is in Chicago. Windy City might help him out. But the thing is, is I don't think he's going to get those counting stats with that lineup around him. You can't expect 99 runs and 96 RBIs again from him, especially at where he's going at 72. I'd much rather take Carlos Correa up a round or two later, who I think is going to produce better than him in the average department, the home run department. And with a better lineup than him, I think he's going to produce more runs and RBIs than him. So I definitely agree with Dansby Swanson. I'll move on to my next few. I have Michael Harris at 46, uh, and that's basically just because I think you're drafting him at ceiling. What we saw from Michael Harris, I think, is what we're going to get from Michael Harris moving forward. And where you're taking him at 46, he needs to produce that outcome. Anything less than that makes him a bust. And I think the odds are more in the favor of him regressing and having possibly a sophomore slump than him breaking out and getting into a first or second round talent. 47, I have Bobby Witt. Not going to talk more on him. 71, I have Dansby Swanson. Already talked about him. 86, Alejandro Kirk is my next bust. And it's more so not that I don't like him. It's things like what you said, his cost. And Salvador Perez, you can get after him. And I'm a little discouraged on the 41 games he had from August 12th until the end of the year where he batted 242 and only had two home runs after a blistering start. Now, even when he slumped, he still batted 242 for a catcher, which is still pretty good because if you can get a catcher that catcher that can hit around 250, you're doing great. I think I do think we can get at least 280 out of him, but I don't think the home runs are going to be there. I think max we get is 15 home runs from Alejandro Kirk. And at that point, I'd rather just roll the dice and get a Salvador Perez. I do have him in our dynasty league, and I think at his value or at his cost, that is value, and that's probably where he should be going. I have him for $8. So I'll take it, but I don't love it. I mean, he's not my favorite. I wouldn't be surprised if I move him. Um, to you or somebody else, but you have MJ Melinda, so you probably don't want that. Um, so yeah, yet to be seen. I definitely think the average is there. I'm a little concerned about the playing time with Brandon Belt and Dansby, not Dansby Swanson, Danny Jansen. And uh, yeah, that's just my general thoughts on Alejandro Kirk. And that rounds out the eight bus in my top 100. Matt, why don't you give us the next few? Oh, did you have anything you wanted to say on Harris or Kirk before we get to your list? No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think you are paying for the upside of Harris. And in all reality, I would rather have Corbin Carroll. Um, oh, absolutely. It, like, maybe Harris is this guy that is just one of those, like, Sandy Alcantara-esque players who every year just takes a step forward, and you're not really sure how he did it. Um, but how do you take a step forward from last year? Go 30-30 and we can project him in 2024 to go 40-40 and then 2025 will go 50-50, right? Like, is, is this really what we're doing here? But no, you're paying for what he did and even more production. I just would rather have, you know, Corbin Carroll. 
Um, and I think with Alejandro Kirk, you know, Christian Kirk's very, very close cousin, um, you're going to get exactly what you said, question marks. Playing time, you know, does the power ever translate to above 15 home runs? And I'm just rather having a guy like Salvi, like you said. Um, kind of breaking into my 100 here, just before my top 100, I have Logan Gilbert at 96. Talked a lot about him in our pitching preview episode. Definitely not sold. There are a lot of question marks for me. Uh, I'm just taking other players around this range. Kyle Wright comes in at 100. The shoulder issue is definitely my reasoning for putting him in a bust here. I think when you start the season with a shoulder issue, I know even though it was in January and February, I'm going to have to mark you as a bust, and I'm going to have to stay away from you in drafts. Uh, I would like to see him come out and pitch well this season, though. I, I like the story of Kyle Wright. Tim Anderson at 104. I would just rather have everyone on both sides of him. I'm not touching him. To me, Tim Anderson is a top 200 guy, not a top 100 guy. I think what you're getting is consistency, obviously, but I also think we're any year away from an absolute Tim Anderson batting average collapse, which would mean Tim Anderson's value collapse. Um, Kenley Jansen coming in for me at 106. Talked a lot on, about him on the relief pitching preview. Just a guy that I'm thinking age has finally caught up to. Opportunity in Boston, I think, is going to be scarce. Uh, and then finishing out my my top 120 here, I have Freddie Peralta at 118. We've seen a lot of fluctuation in Freddie Peralta's performance. I expect to see more of that this season. He just has not figured out how to be the guy. And I just don't think he is the guy. And I think at 118, I'd rather have some players around him. Yeah, I like everything you said. And a lot of your bus picks for, besides Tim Anderson, um, are injury related. And that's a common theme for my final four bus. I also have Freddie Peralta on my bus with that shoulder injury. That scares me. 118, I have Byron Buxton. We just hinted to that when we were talking about Bryce Harper. But I don't think you can ever expect a full um, season out of Byron Buxton. I think his hip shoulder knee whatever it is it's going to bother him it's going to flare up him running the bases especially with the added stolen base incentives with the bigger bat or bigger uh, bases and less pickoffs i think he's probably going to run more because he has the speed but i think that also is going to lead to a little bit more injuries and it's probably going to happen more frequently unless the twins want to play it safe with him so we'll see and then the next one is kind of a shocker at 135 i have grayson rodriguez as my bus now, don't get me wrong. I love this kid. Definitely in Dynasty. Somebody you should target. Um, keeper leagues, somebody you should keep go for. But this year, I don't think he has the innings. He's coming back from a lat injury from last year, which prevented his innings. I don't think you get more than 120 innings out of him. The Baltimore Orioles are rebuilding. They might have a postseason push, but I think really next year is the season where they're going all in to go for the pennant. And... Just looking at guys around him, I'd rather take, let me see, I had the rankings up. I'd rather take Jeffrey Springs going around him, Lucas Giolito on a bounce back, Reed Detmers on a breakout. Um, I'm out on Jose Barrios this year, but I'm um, just trying to look at other pitchers. Tony Gonsolin with a sprained ankle, I'd rather roll the dice on him. Jack Flaherty after him, Hunter Brown. Those are all guys I probably am taking over Grayson Rodriguez just for the innings limits um, in redraft. And then lastly is Lance McCullers at 180. I don't think this guy's ever going to stay healthy ever in his career. Um, I think he just started playing catch um, yesterday, but he was supposed to be coming back within the first two weeks of 
the re- regular season, but that does not look like he's going to be on schedule if he's just starting to play catch. I don't see him coming back at least until April or May. Hopefully Hunter Brown can figure out his command issues and solidify that final rotation, and Lance McCullers can be relegated to a long relief pitcher slot. And at that point, he's not even fantasy relevant unless you play in a hold and saves league. Yeah, and... I think you said it best with McCullers. It, it's just disappointing at this time of his career. You know, we we fought back through Tommy John. We fought back through the shoulder issue. You know, I've shared my story about the baseball academy I was at in Florida where, you know, they had encouraged him to change his mechanics, and he, he kind of laughed it off. Like, his career will always kind of be, for me, a what if. What if Lance McCullers could have taken the physical gifts and, and mirrored it with physical health, and he just hasn't been able to. And I think no. you said it best. He's he's done, in my opinion. I was just, is the baseball academy? Was that you that was telling me a few years ago? They told him based on your mechanics, your arm will not keep up with your your body, and it's going to break down. And he laughed. Is that is that yes. the story? It, and it was. And they were the like, time, you need to change it, otherwise you're going to get injured. Yeah, and at the time, it wasn't even TJ. It was it was shoulder because they use what drive line uses now, and they probably use a, a you know a non as advanced version of it, but the way it does is it calculates your body movement throughout the rotation of your windup and your delivery. And it says, okay, you're allocating too much stress on this part of the arm or this part of the body, right? It could be the lack, could be the oblique, whatever it is. And they told him, Hey, your shoulder, your front shoulder capsule, it gets too much pressure on there. Like we have to change your mechanics. And he laughed at him that spring, couple weeks later, he went out with like the shoulder injury. And I was like, damn, like that's when I first realized the technological advancement and how quickly it is growing. And that was, I mean, I lived in Florida, geez, almost eight years ago. So this was when Lance was younger, um, seven years ago. And his career is just, it's its unfolded the way we expect it to, right? Then having to have Tommy John coming back to the playoffs last year, early in, in the re- or late in the regular season, pitched really well and the playoffs had issues. And here we are talking about him out of the rotation and, other publications have talked about how they also think his career might just be over because he just can't stay healthy. And it's probably a lot to do with his mechanics don't fit his body type. And maybe there's an unwillingness to change, or maybe he just can't change. Maybe he can't perform any way outside of his pro- his profile. So definitely agree with you, Richie. Like McCullers is a guy that would be on my bus list as well. Um, I'll just blow through the, the final names I have. They're simple. Chris Bassett at 127. Definitely don't like a repeat in the last couple of performances from Bassett over the last few years. I think he has a big regression. Tyler Glasnow, we already have an injury at 129. Lucas Giolito, 136. Not buying it. I'd rather have Berrios. Um, Tyler Anderson at 168 in Anaheim. Yikes. I do not like Anderson. I think last year was a mirage. Uh, Martin Perez, 169. Especially with the Bannon shift, I think we're going to see that ERA and that whip jump quite significantly. And then finally, two of our guys, Cody Bellinger at 187 and Spencer Torkelson at 294. Spencer Torkelson has had an abysmal spring training. I would not be surprised if he starts the year in the minor leagues. Cody Bellinger, we've talked enough about him. Yeah, my only disagreement with Bellinger and Torkelson is with them being bust is they go so late in drafts that it's hard for them to be bust. That's the only thing I'll say on that. Yeah, no, and I, I don't disagree with you. I just like... I'm not touching. You're so sour I'm, on them that I'm you they need yeah. to be on your... <laughs> like, I, am, I genuinely think Spencer Torkelson may never get a starting job in the major leagues ever again. Which is sad because I remember in our Dynasty League when 
I think we were playing on CBS Sports because ESPN. It was the COVID year. Yeah. And ESPN normally doesn't put their draft like the same year draft the players on until the the following year. CBS like put it on like the very next day after they got drafted. Yep. And we weren't used to it, and so you wouldn't pick them up, and I was so pissed because I was like, I'm gonna draft him next year, even if I have to spend five to ten dollars, because this guy's like the best college bat ever, and he's gonna be up just like Alex Bregman was, and Carlos Correa, and whoever else that was in college and got brought up like like within the same year or the following year. And they were like just studs. I think Chris Bryant, I'm thinking of like that yeah. class, like, like that genre, like was it 2013 to 2016 when they got drafted, came up the next year, waited for the super two deadline. But after they came up, they were just, they were just studs from then on until injuries and whatever else the, the, that remains to be seen. But when they first came up, they had a, a huge impact. And that's what I was expecting out of Torkelson. And it's, honestly sad not even just because you have him on your team but just as a player and a fan of baseball I, I wanted to see that from him and um maybe he can turn around maybe we're wrong on him but it just it, it feels jared kelnick like well and i've said this to you since he was in the minor leagues i've never loved his his swing path um i i don't know what it is it's just he has a a very short holesy path and i think it might have worked against amateur pitchers and now that he's at the major league level he he just seems like he can't catch up and i don't know that that's ever going to change because how do you re like he hasn't reworked his swing his swing is the same as he's had his entire you know amateur and collegiate career going into the 2023 season it's the same as the 2022 season like same problems are happening Right now, he's had 31 at-bats in spring. He's batting 258 with no home runs. It's like, damn. Like You, you think you hit it right in the head. Jared Kelnick-like, you know, and it's just disappointing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see what the next draft class has and if there's any big ones coming out of there. I know you like that. Uh, was it Chase Dolander from, is it Tennessee? Can you compare him to Steven Strasburg? Yeah, I mean, right. there's Didn't a lot. Right? There's a lot of really good talent right now in the draft. There's a lot of good amateur talent in the draft. You have the kid from Florida, uh, who pitches and hits uh, collegiate power. I think he's leading the league uh, in home runs. Also, what's his name? I'm not familiar. Starts with a D, um, but I like him a lot. Like, we'll have to do that this season. We'll jump into Baseball America and kind of get some some reference points down before draft starts and, and kicks off, and definitely touch on probably like 15 to 20 of these guys because in reality. It's really about how many you know stud amateur blue chip prospects there are, and after that, kind of taking a hit or a miss. Um, right. But you know that's that's right around the corner too. Opening day is right around the corner. It's definitely exciting. Yeah, just a few more weeks. That's By right. the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be a week or a few days. So, um, yeah, that concludes our sleepers and bus podcast. I think the next one recording we'll do is our dynasty draft. Yep. I don't know if I'll necessarily be on the first portion of the recording because I might have a newborn screaming, but Matt, I think we'll have a, a guest, uh, Jackson, who is in our dynasty league, do some recording with you for the first portion. And once, uh, my kid goes down, I can, Mike and, uh, join you guys as well. So that'll be probably a lot of content. We might need to shorten it down or do little snippets, or maybe we just put the whole thing on. We'll leave that up to Matt to decide, but We'll talk to you guys next time.